The sermon title this morning is um, Mary Magdalene and Our Salvation. This almost uh, sounds heretical, but um, you know, um, in Matthew 26, 39, Jesus prayed, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. How many times did he pray that prayer? Three times. This is when he was experiencing the, his um, carrying of all the guilt of our sins of the entire human race. He said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, what is this cup? What is he talking about? If you look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 to 10, it says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. So, this cup, the cup of his indignation, this cup is filled with the wrath of God. So, the question is, what is the wrath of God? Right? We imagine God being so angry and just, you know, just pounding the table, why in the world? But Bible gives a definition of what wrath of God is. In Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so, they, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, because, and became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God, the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And it says, therefore God also gave them up. That's verse 24. If you keep going, verse 26 also says, God gave them up to their vile passions. Verse 28, God gave them over to a debased mind. So wrath of God basically is God giving them up 
giving the sinners up to their own devices. So when God gives you up, what happens? You are separated from from the source of life, right? That's the wrath of God. And this is the cup, the wrath of God, that Jesus did not want to drink. Now, this wrath of God. He did not want to experience the wrath of God. Remember, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So Jesus became sin for us. He became sinner. Jesus became... He became the murderer. He became the thief. He became the child molester. He became the liar. He became the adulterer. Any, any single thing, any single sin you can think of, he became that. He became sin for us. Now what happens when you have sin? In um, Isaiah two, uh, 59 verse 2, it says, But your sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You know what Jesus was most afraid of? The one that, the, 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 the cup that he did not want to drink. The wrath of God. Because Jesus was, he became sin for us. What happened? The wrath of God. God had to separate himself from Jesus. The separation. You know, um, how many of you think um, newborn babies are cute? You know, as soon as a baby is born, everybody says, oh, this baby's so cute. You know, that's a really good uh, lie detector test. <laughs> Anybody says they're cute? I, I don't think I've ever seen a brand new born baby looking cute. <laughs> and I, one of the most disappointing things for me was my, uh, when my daughter, Shauna, was born. <laughs> I was, you know, I never, I expected, you know, because this is my firstborn, I was excited, and when she came out, I go, I mean, she was so ugly. <laughs> I hope Shana doesn't hear this sermon, but I was so disappointed. <laughs> you know, they become cute after, after, you know, I think like 20 or something, you know, but <laughs> not so cute, you know. Anyway, um, but, you know, it's not my responsibility because I was in residency. I was always working. I was on call. And uh, so my wife, Linda, took care of her 24-7. You know, she was with her all the time, feeding her and sleeping with her. I mean, just, 
And I was fine with that. And she's, she was the worst child. She's always crying, but you know, but when she's with her mother, it's, everything's fine. But anyway, um, I was just, you know, I was glad that, you know, my wife could take care of her all the time. Anyway, so one, this was Friday afternoon. I was at home. And Shauna was about four months old. And my wife says, you know, I need to go to church to practice uh, special music with this group. So would you watch Shauna? And I go, no problem. I'll, I'll watch her, you know. This is the first time in her four months She's separated from her mom. And here I was trying to take care of her, and she is crying. She starts crying. Not just crying, just like wailing. It's almost like I'm torturing her, you know? I'm doing everything, just doing, trying to, I mean, I did everything. I put her in the car, car seat. I started driving. Maybe this will help. I drove about, you know, about 4,000 miles, but she still would not <laughs> stop crying. I was, I've had it. I just, I said, the whole time, I don't know how long it was, a couple of hours, crying continually. Like, I said, um, I can't take this. I took her to where my wife was practicing with this group, I said, take your daughter. I can't, I can't, I can't deal with her. You know, um, there was a lesson. First time, this four year, four month, in first time in four months, she was separated from her mom. And I saw this intense agony from this four-month-old. But you know what? When Jesus felt the separation from his father, because, of, because he was carrying all of our sins, because he became sin for all of us. For the first time in the history of eternity, not four months, eternity, Jesus felt the separation from his Father. The wrath of God, God giving his Son up. His closest disciples in Gethsemane, he said, Pray for yourself and also pray for me. First time he asked, please pray for me. What were they doing? Sleeping. You know, um, have you heard of Stephen King? He wrote all these uh, horror novels, right? I've never read any of his novels, but I, you know... He, I know that he 
he's a, he apparently is a very successful and a great writer. You know, somebody asked him a question. What is the most awful word that you can think of? What is the most awful word? Most fearful word. And this is what he said. The word alone. Alone. He says, yes. That's the key word. The most awful word in the English tongue. Murder doesn't hold a candle to it. And hell is only a poor synonym. Alone. Here was Christ, bearing the sins of the world. What he dreaded the most was the separation from his father. That's why he prayed on the cross. What did he, how did he pray? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you been separated? Where are you? You are, you've been, you're gone. I don't know where you are. Alone. Absolutely alone. Alone because he, he didn't feel the presence of God, his father. Alone because his closest disciples were sleeping. Not one person, not one being in the entire universe that he felt any support from. He felt absolutely alone in the universe. Now that's an introduction now. You know, we read about Mary Magdalene. Who was she? She was the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus did not condemn her. Also, she was sister of Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus cast out demon from her, I believe, like seven times. She was so grateful. And you know, if you look at Gospel of Mark, we just read that Mary came, okay, Mary came with this alabaster box of spikenard. <coughs> Do you know how much she brought? One pound worth. One pound. You can find that in John 12, verse 3. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Now, this spikenard is an, is a, uh, an essential oil derived from a flowering plant of valerian family, which grows 
in uh, Himalayas, uh, Nepal, China, and India, the oil has been used over centuries as a perfume. Um, and you know, the distilled root of this plant, which makes essential oil, is used to honor people of high esteem. Now, how much did it cost her to get this one pound's worth of spikenard? One year's wage, okay? 300 denarius. The Bible says, you know, talks about denarius as being a day's, day's wage. Basically, she spent one year's wage to buy just this one jar. She comes. Now remember, which day did Jesus die? Friday. You know, there's some controversy. One was the real Passover, you know. I believe Passover was on Friday because the day that Jesus died, because he was the real Passover lamb, right? So, here was Mary. I mean, if you look at, if you look at Mark 14, verse 1, it says it was two days. It was two days before the Passover. So that means it was Wednesday she did this. Now, where, what does she do with this? You know, when this jar of alabaster, you know, box is a soft, um, a lot of dentists know what alabaster is, you know. It's a soft rock. But you know when, as long as this perfume or this oil is in the box of, the, of this container, there's no smell. Isn't it true? It's, as long as it's in the jar, there's no smell. But what did Mary do? She broke the jar. It's a soft rock, easily broken. As soon as this, this jar was broken, this, the oil, this spikenard, one pound, I mean, just filled the entire room with this perfume's smell. And, Jesus, and Mary poured it on Jesus' head. There was so much, it soaked his entire body from head to toe. Head to toe. And you know this smell, this oil, you know, this... You know, I prescribed a medication called Clobetasol solution. It's a liquid, it's a steroid solution for a certain scalp condition. It's a solution, so you just put it on and it just, it's, it uh, disappears, it doesn't affect your uh, hair or anything like that, you know? Because it, it absorbs into the scalp. At one time, um, my uh, nurse, instead of sending um, clobetasol solution, she accidentally sent clobetasol ointment. 
And he said, apply into the scalp twice a day. <laughs> and you know, the patient doesn't know. So the patient goes home for this condition, puts this, this is, me, is basically Vaseline base. <laughs> Can you imagine putting the Vaseline on your scalp twice a day? Comes back a week later, time to come back in a week to make sure everything's okay. Comes back later, so mad at me. He goes, Dr. Chung, what in the world? That, that, oil, that ointment, I just can't get it out of my ha hair. <laughs> I mean, I wash my hair 10 times, it just won't come out. <laughs> and I've been doing it twice a day, every day. I go, I didn't give you that ointment. I gave you a solution. You go, but we looked at the, you know, we looked at the prescription was saying it was ointment. I go, oh no, okay. So sorry, you know, it was supposed to be a solution, not an ointment. And so, you know, we had that little mishap, but you know, this guy said he just cannot get this oil out, oil out. I mean, this ointment out of his head, you know? So imagine this, it was Wednesday when, this, when Mary poured this one pound um, one pound of spikenard on Jesus' head. And you know what? At that time, you know, people didn't bathe all the time. It was next evening when Jesus was having all this intense agony of the separation being alone because of our sins. And you know, here's a I want you to I'm going to give you I know there's some physicians here, and if you don't know, I want to give you a little lesson. Those people who are accepted to medical school, I'm going to give you a little head start by this knowledge. You know, there's something called olfactory nerve. Do you know what that is? Olfactory nerve is, is right over here. It has to do with your smell, you know? If, you, if, if your olfactory nerve is not there, guess what happened? You can't smell anything. Okay, but that olfactory nerve, it goes to the olfactory bulb, okay? That goes straight to your, something called the limbic system in your brain. Limbic system is the center of emotion and also especially memory, okay? Have you ever had, he smells a smell and, and he just brings you memory of something? You've all experienced that, right? There's a direct connection between memory and smell. You know, one of the very first things that goes with people with Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's is, is a disease where people lose all their memory, right? First thing that goes is memory. I mean, their smell. And some people, some of one of the precursors for Alzheimer's disease 
is loss of smell. Some people actually lose their smell before Alzheimer's sets in. So if you lose your smell, be careful. So you know, um, there is a direct connection between your smell and memory, okay? And here was Jesus all alone. This intense agony he's going through. It says in this Arbages, 686, it says, he felt that by sin, he was being separated from his father. The gulf was so broad, so black, so deep, that his spirit shuddered before it. Separate from his father. No human support. What was one thing that was helping Christ, giving him courage at that time? This is what it says, Desire of Ages 560. As Christ went down into this darkness of his great trial, he's talking about this Gethsemane experience, he carried with him the memory of Mary's deed. The memory. Why? Memory. Because he constantly is smelling that smell of the spikenard. Even on the cross, smelling the spikenard. He feels there's nobody not even his father is with him. But that smell is encouraging him. And as he went down into the darkness of his great trial, he carried with him this memory of that, the Mary's deed, an earnest of the love that would be his from his redeemed ones forever. So, you know, I'm not saying it was Mary who, who gave us the salvation. But it was Mary's deed that actually, in a small way, supported Jesus during the time of his greatest need. He was able to go through that. So in small way, Mary Magdalene's deed contributed to our salvation. You know, that is, you know, the spirit of prophecy says, Christ on the cross is the gospel. Now, you know, and you know, we read in, in Mark, anytime when the gospel is preached, what Mary did will be remembered, right? Because her deed is linked directly to the gospel. The gospel is Christ on the cross. Sunday morning, 
Jesus is risen, right? Do you know who was the very first person that Jesus appeared to? It was Mary. It wasn't any of his disciples. It was Mary. And here's Mary goes there and she is crying and because she, she said, where is... She thought he was a gardener, right? Talking to this person. Goes, Who took away my Savior? Tell me where... Tell me. I'd like to know. You know, in her mind, I believe... If she had found the body of Christ, if that tomb was not worthy, she knew there was another tomb that she could take Jesus' body to. The tomb of Lazarus. Because Lazarus' tomb was also empty. Here she's crying. Tell me, please, where... I tell you, <laughs> and at that time, Jesus said, Mary. Then he realized, she realized, that's my Savior. That's Jesus. She goes and hugs him, you know, you know, just, she is so happy. Because she loved him so much. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus said to Mary, you can find this in um, um, John 20, verse 17. Jesus said to Mary, Detain me not. Don't hold on to me. Don't detain me. For... I am not yet ascended to my Father. I have not gone to my Father yet. But go to my brethren, say unto them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Now this is a little bit curious. Here is Jesus, died on the cross, in the tomb, and on Sabbath, he rests in the tomb, on Sabbath, Sunday morning, he rises. And he says on Friday, it is finished, right? Why in the world did he say to Mary, I need to go to my father. I need to go to my father. I haven't been to my father yet. This, this is an incredible story, what happens. Why did he have to go to his father? Look at this. During, during the time of Jesus' trial and through, throughout his life, entire universe is watching Christ, especially this event of his, his death and resurrection. And the entire universe, angels and unfallen beings, they're all watching and they see Christ rise. And when Jesus says, 
I'm going to my father. What do you think is hap- what's, what's happening in heaven? They are so excited to have him, right? It says, all heaven was waiting to welcome the Savior to the celestial courts. As he ascends, okay, and I'm going to skip. Uh, as he draws near the city of God, the challenge is given by the escorting angels. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. For the king of glory shall come in. Joyfully, the waiting sentinels respond, who is this king of glory? This they say, not because they know not who he, not, uh, who he is, but because they would hear the, the an- answer of exalted praise. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, all ye gates. Even lift them up, all ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Again is heard, is heard the challenge, who is a king of glory? For the angels never weary of hearing his name exalted. The escorting angels make reply, the Lord of hosts, he is a king of glory. It's found in Psalms 24, 7 to 10. Then the portals of the city of God are open wide and angelic throng sweep through the gates amid a burst of rapturous music. There is a throne around it is the rainbow of promise. I mean greatest party ever planned. Greatest welcome You know, if I were Christ, I would say, well, I really deserve it. I really went through a lot, you know, for this. But it says this. You know, amid all this, amid all this adoration and this incredible welcoming party, it says, he waves them back. He says, stop everything. Stop everything. It's not for party yet. He waves them back. Not yet. He cannot now receive the coronet of glory and the royal robe. What does he do? He enters into the presence of his father. He lifts his hands, bearing the prince of his hand, prince of nails. He points his nails, his hands, his feet, his head. He wanted to make sure what he did was enough to save mankind. That's why he had to stop. The voice of God is heard 
proclaiming that justice is satisfied. Imagine son saying to his father, look at my hands, my feet, my head. Was it enough to save Billy? Save Joe? Save Mary? Save Mary Magdalene? Save the human race? Was that enough? Father says, Well done, my son. And Jesus says, Now let the heavens choir sing. The reason why he said to Mary, do not detain me, because I have to go to my father, because he wanted to make sure at least Mary was going to be saved of what he, because of what he did. What a savior that we have. He had to make sure. And you know, I'll tell you something. You know, when we go to heaven, every one of us will have perfect bodies. Absolutely perfect. Not a scar, not anything that, that is marred. I want to read something here. As the alabaster box was broken and filled the whole house with its fragrance. Remember, only broken, only broken jar or the bottle or the box, only broken alabaster box can let out the smell of the fruit. Only the broken box can release the fragrance. As long as it's intact in the alabaster box, nobody can ever smell that, right? If Mary kept that, not pulled in Jesus' head, Jesus would never have smelled that and gave, gave him encouragement. But that alabaster box, not just a box, but is the broken alabaster box, also represents Christ. As the alabaster box was broken and filled the whole house with its fragrance, so Christ was to die. His body was to be broken, but he was to rise from the tomb and the fragrance of his life was to fill the earth. Christ 
In Ephesians uh, 5, 2, says, Christ has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You know, like I said earlier, everyone will have perfect bodies except one who will always throughout eternity will have a broken body. That's Christ. For eternity, he'll have scars on his hand and his feet. It's broken. Why broken? Because it gives out sweet fragrance. For eternity, he'll have scars on his hands and feet. Just as the smell or the memory can only be produced when the jar was broken, the broken body of Jesus will be a sweet smelling reminder of his love for us and the universe forever. So grateful for what Christ has done for every one of us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Christ and also what Mary Magdalene did. We ask that you'll continue to uh, continue to smell the sacrifice of Christ and help us to be motivated to give to you what you want the most that is other souls. Pray that you will continue to Bless this church and bless each one of us to do your work and then do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.